Hi, and welcome to Enchantment, a Dragon Age Let's Play podcast. I'm Manny. And I'm Brandon. And this is episode 18. Episode 18. We can do things as an adult, such as consent to sex. <laughs> but and, not drinking. But not drinking. Unless you're in other countries. Unless you're in countries uh, that are in America. <laughs> okay. Um... Why is that the only thing I could think of that you can do at 18? Oh, uh, you can, um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's, the, uh, you, okay, you could vote. You could vote. Oh, you could vote in America you, you vote again. In America. We only know American laws. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm sorry. Um, episode 18. Oh, yes. So what did we do in the last episode, Brandon? The last episode, we retrieved the urn of sacred ashes from the temple of sacred ashes, I guess. Yes. Um, from the stupid little town that wanted a, a tourist trap. Yeah, Haven and their cult. We defeated them. We killed a guy who was wanted us to poison the urn. Not poison it, but wanted us to put dragon's blood into it because he believed that the dragon that was in the temple was the real Andraste, which is just wrong. That's, that's just not, wrong. That's not wrong. Stupid. Um, there's no way. What What do you think? What do you think? This is like supernatural. This is real world we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we dealt with that problem. We went to Brother yeah. Jenna TV. And he's like, I want to open the temple for everybody. Yeah. So they can come. And I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah, he's like, people should be able to see the urn. Yeah. It's like, there's a huge dragon he's that going, almost killed he's us. He's going to charge people, remember? He's going to charge people. They're going to come by. It's just going to be a tourist trap, just like Haven already was. And there's going to be rides. <laughs> it's going to be a beautiful, dark ride that tells you the story of Andraste. Yeah, like a like a river journey of sorts. <laughs> like a river journey. It's like, <laughs> welcome to the Andraste. Damn river. <laughs> Some say it's the longest river all up around him. <laughs> but it's all just fake. It's just a ride. Yeah. It's not a river. It has a dip. It has like a little. Uh... Yeah. It's like Splash Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do you do? Howdy. <laughs> oh my God. Um, That's big talk coming from people who say, we hope you enjoy your stay at Magic Kingdom at the end of every episode. Yeah. To like talk shit about tourist traps. <laughs> <laughs> it's true um but yes we finally have the urn and the next thing we need to do is heal our lemon but first of course we're going to make our way to camp and talk to a few of our friends why do you ask me such questions i do not probe you for pointless information do i i did not ask to be left alone i simply wondered from whence comes this strange oh curiosity. i think i pissed off morgan what'd you do because i asked her if she lived in the kakari wilds and she's like, how dare you ask me such a question? You asked if she lived there? Yeah, like, did she grow up in the Kokari Wilds? And why was that offending to her? I don't know. What'd she say? And then she said, I did not ask to be left alone. I simply wonder from whence comes this strange curiosity. I would say we don't need to be strangers, do we? What a stranger does not know cannot hurt him, but have it your way. For many years it was simply Flemeth and I. The Wilds and its creatures were more real to me than Flemeth's tales of the world of man. In time, I grew curious. I left the wilds to explore what lay beyond, never for long. Brief forays into a civilized wilderness. Civilized wilderness? Are you, and you remained unnoticed? For the most part, Flemeth taught me well. I was unfamiliar with so much. So confident and bold was I, yet there was much so that Flemeth could She's never very have prepared me. Very articulate. Yeah. You think she lives in the woods, she's like, ah, I'm a, I'm a wood girl, you know? <laughs> Very daring. That sounds like you. <laughs> Equal parts daring and foolhardy, perhaps. <sighs> Only once Very was I accused of being a witch of the wilds, and that by a chastened who happened to be traveling with a merchant caravan. 
He pointed and gasped and began shouting in his strange language, and most assumed he was casting some curse upon me. I acted the terrified girl, and naturally, he was arrested. As I recall, oh my God. he was executed. Oh. The point being that I was able to move through human lands fairly easily. Whatever humans think a witch of the wild looks like, tis not yeah. I. Not that I did not have trouble. There are things oh, in the society which have always exactly not freaking twine, nipple twine, titty twine. Touching like a handshake. To begin with, yes. What is the point of touching my hands? Find it an offensive intrusion. There were many nuances that Flemeth could never tell me of. When to look into another's eyes, how to eat at a table, how to bargain without offending. None of these things I knew. I still do not understand it. Uh, okay, you know what? I understand her now. I'm glad we had this talk because I always thought she was just like a bitch. But now she is a bitch, but a bitch with reasons why she's a bitch. Like she lived a very closed off life. Yeah, so she it's like she just doesn't know. She hasn't, she's never had to live thinking about other people's, like, perspective. Yeah. I mean, her, her only other person that she really interacted with on a day-to-day -day basis is her mother, who was trying to possess her. Yes. So, I mean, yeah. like, she probably grew up thinking that other people are always just, like, wrong, you know? Yeah. But the only other person in her life is antagonistic. Oh, she at the end of all that, she disapproved? Oh, fuck you, bitch. We're going to talk to someone who loves me. So this conversation was quite interesting. Yeah, it really teaches you a little bit about what's going on in that head of hers and what kind of shapes her into the person she is. I mean, like, yeah, she's been, she's lived with Flemeth all her life. Yeah. So she doesn't have the social skills. <laughs> um, so she's, of course, living with someone like Flemeth is going to become very opinionated and very... Yeah. I mean, I... And she didn't only live with Flemeth. She lived with Flemeth in the wilds. Mm -hmm. So she didn't have, like, human civilization... Um, she didn't go to kindergarten. She had homeschool. Yeah, she lived at home. That's where she learned everything. She didn't learn, like she said, she didn't learn table etiquette or how to barter with someone without being overwhelming to them. Yeah. Or why people shake hands. <laughs> Like, I, all these things are so foreign mean, to her. You mean, I don't understand why we shake hands. Um, it's just a sign of, like, respect. But who did, who did that? Who did that? Who who said that was... I don't know. I'm sure there's origins somewhere. I want to know. Someone find those origins, please. I mean, even before then, people used to kiss. That's better. That's better? That seems like way more of an invasion of privacy. I, I, would, I would rather have, like, the little, like, side, like... Mm -hmm. Like two cheek, like like the two. Yes. Okay. Um. Still more of an invasion than shaking hands. I think. I mean, there's probably a higher chance of like spreading disease. But if, unless you don't wash your hands. You know, we like we could just not do anything. But that's just rude. But then what's ruder? Like not <laughs> shaking hands or contracting a disease from that person from their <laughs> homeland. I don't know. It's just a thought. <laughs> oh my God, Brandon! <laughs> Jesus. Um, but anyway, it does, it does give you insight into where her mannerisms come from yeah. and why her stubbornness and her sarcasm is so like rooted in her being. Yeah. I mean, she's mean. She's, it's just, an, 
It's not a good excuse of why she acts the way she is. No. But it's still good to be nice. It's still good to be nice. You need to be nice. Like this yeah. this doesn't give you an out for like, oh, being oh, so yeah. mean to other people. Right. It's like you have to be better. You have to work yourself to get better. Uh-huh. But you know. This explains at least yeah, explains like where it. she comes from yeah. and how she's learned to grow with that sort of um personality. Yeah. It's very fun. Very fun. So after we speak with Morgan, after, you know, it only went at what, five points? Uh, no, it went down. I went, oh, it yes. It went down one point. One point. So it went down. <laughs> so I wanted to go talk to someone who loves me. And that person who I think loves me is Zephyrin. Where are you? I feel like what happened was the way you started the conversation offended her. Yeah. And maybe there was like approval uh, as part of it, but it wasn't enough to like to counter it with that. How well versed are you in poetry? Antiven poetry, specifically. It was recited to me, as I recall, by a rather wealthy target of mine. Let's, Let's see. Uh, <clears throat> the symphony I see in the... It whispers songs to me. Songs of hot breath upon my neck. Songs of soft grants by my head. Songs of hands on muscled back. Songs of thee come to my bed. Come to my oh, whoa, whoa. Was this sex poetry? <laughs> that would be what I would say. I kind of want to say it. In real life. They want a sex poetry? So she claimed. She was trying to seduce me, you see, and somehow she thought that this would actually convince me to spare her. I had sex with her anyway, but that huh. was without saying. She still had to die. The poem was amusing at the time, however, and thus I've always remembered it. So you thought to seduce me with it? Mmm. Mm. Now that is a thought, isn't it? Oh, Would God. Again? It might. No, keep that in mind. Personally, my preferred methods of seduction are a bit more tactile. Here, I thought you might be cheered up by some naughty poetry. You simply look so... Oh, wow. Grim. I look grim? What the Such hell? an unflattering expression for such a handsome face. These aren't the best times. No, I'm going with the first one. Ah, that was the first one. You think I'm handsome, do you? think I'm handsome, do you? You're a man to stalk the lust in women and other men alike. <laughs> Surely you know this and you're playing with me. Me, I tend to make the best of whatever situation I find myself in, stealing what moments I can. It's served me well most days. You might learn to do the same. So that was interesting. A little some sex poetry in there. Yeah, we got some nice culture. And we learned all about how uh Zevran loves his poetry, loves seducing, loves seducing with poetry. He's not, you know, your typical I'm a slut. No. Yeah. He's kind of like a um he's like a wooer. He is a wooer. He's like James Bond, like a bisexual James Bond. Yeah. So like Sherlock Holmes. Mm. I don't know if he's bisexual. No, I sure, well, I, I mean, I don't know that much about Sherlock Holmes. Neither do I, but yeah, Zevran is a, he's this very like, he's direct, but he's also like, he's so flirtatious. I mean, even when we met him, he, flirta he flirted with Liliana. He has, he's very charming. Yeah, but I feel like it's not working. I mean, Stefan did have sex with him, but it's not working on me. It's not working on me either. Yeah? It's not, he's not my kind of type of guy. Yeah. I mean, that's why I was gravitated more towards Alistair, because Alistair is my type of guy, like the right. sarcastic, 
like I'm jokey and you know I'm also very sensitive kind of person. Okay, yeah. Whereas Zevran is more like, like closed uh, off. Yeah, like he's closed off, but he's very flirtatious. He's, he's more mysterious. Yeah, I am. Alistair's more- like the Betty, and Zevran's like the Veronica. Is this a, a thing from Riverdale? Yeah, you know the trope. Yes, Betty and Veronica. That's no. like so on TV tropes. If you don't know, TV tropes is a website that defines tropes that appear often in media. And so Betty and Veronica is a trope that's named after Archie. And it's basically the the like two love choices. You have the sweet, sensitive boy next door. And then you have like the mysterious, like seductress, exotic person. And so Becky would be... A Betty? Uh, sorry, Betty would be like the Alistair. Or rather, Alistair would be the Betty and Zevran would be the Veronica. Yeah. So yeah, I'm definitely a more Alistair kind of guy. Yeah. Because I don't know. It's... I like someone who's open and good with like with their feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And uh, is also very jokey. Yeah, and Alistair has all those things. Zevran's also jokey, but it still comes from a place of like. <sighs> it's a lot like it. It comes. I don't. It's hard to to me put into words. It to me the sex feels more physical, like like not emotional. It's, yeah, it's unemotional sex. Yeah, it's, it's just a quick fuck. Right. Yeah, he's and, trying to seduce you. Yeah. Physically. He's, he wants pleasure for himself. He doesn't want to pleasure you. I wouldn't say that. I don't think. I think like he's very. Selfish. You think he's like selfish in bed? I, I kind of maybe. Oh, okay. I didn't get that impression. I got the impression that he was only into like physicality and not into like emotion. Yeah, yeah. I could see that too. But uh, while well, Alistair would be Zevran, like, Alistair would be like, I love you. Yeah, he hasn't even had sex. Yeah, and Zevran has had sex all over the place as we're learning. Mm-hmm. He even had sex with the person who taught him that poem and then killed them. Because that's who he was after when he was part of the Crows. That screwed up. Just kill him. <laughs> you know, no. have, the only reason she was seducing you was because she was trying to like bargain for her life. And you took advantage of that and then killed her. Oh, she, he's a really messed up person. That's really messed up when you think of it that yeah. way. Oh my god, I wish I didn't romance ever. Honestly, right now, <laughs> I kind of wish that I was just single. Yeah. Like, I, like, like I, I'm, I'm a lot more into the platonic relationships yeah. that Stefan has. With the romanceable characters. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like his platonic relationship with Morgan, even though she's kind of crazy, mean. And I love his relationship with Eliana. It's kind of like a brother-sister kind of relationship. Yeah. And it's like a brotherly relationship with Alistair. Yeah. And you have Zevran. Like, I, w- I wonder what their relationship would be like if Zevran was a friend. I wonder what it would be like. Like, maybe we would like him more. Because he's just like, oh, he's like the friend who's kind of promiscuous and he's jokey. He, and You know what it is? It's like Zevran... There's a family unit already established with <laughs> Alistair, right. Leliana, and Morgan. Yeah. And then you bring Zevran to the picture, who's like the, the boyfriend. And yeah. I feel like I feel like they don't trust him. He like, feels like an outsider. He feels right? like he is an outsider. Yeah, I agree. Hmm. I don't know, Zevran. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I don't feel satisfied with him. Neither do I. And the sex poetry didn't help. Like, it's charm. Like, if we learned that as a friend... I would have been more charmed by it mm-hmm. than if we learned it as someone who's like advancing on us mm-hmm. because then like you feel kind of like the target of it like oh and you're also someone I'm sleeping with as opposed to like just recounting a funny story yeah you know oh, that's how I feel either way uh, <laughs> what we, happens next Manny what happens next is we're finally 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 yeah. Gonna go to Redcliffe and heal Arl Eamon because Christ, Hooray. how is he even still alive? I just... Yeah, it's crazy because we said that we were gonna do Redcliffe first. Like, as soon as we were out of Lothering, we were like, oh, what do you wanna do now? Well, let's go check out Redcliffe. And ever since that, 
everything we've done up to this point has been leading to this moment yeah. of healing Arl even. So let's go heal the bastard and wake him up. We're back. It's such a beautiful castle. It really is. It really is. But the only thing it needs is like some shrubbery or something. Like, I don't really see flowers or anything. Like a nice decorative thing. Yeah, I mean, maybe there were, but like all the demons destroyed it. Oh, you mean in general? In general. So not enough like pretty flower arrangements? Yeah, I need like flowers. Well, this is Ferelden. You know, like they're just kind of like rugged, like... Oh, there's not enough like... This isn't Orlais. Or oh. like the frill, frilly, like. <laughs> Hi. You return. Might you have news? Let us go at once to Eamon's side and see if the urn's healing powers live up to their reputation. <gasps> oh, let's, let's do it, Bontegan. Oh my god, guys. We are so... We're such good people. We speak to Bontegan, and he leads us back to the room where Arleman is asleep. And now that we have the ashes in hand, we can finally, finally wake him up. Wake up! That's some magic. Oh! So we go into Al Eamon's room Mm -hmm. and wake the little bastard up. I say, wake up, and then I wave my hand. Well, uh, not my, not me. No, I think it was some like circle person. A circle of magi person. Yeah. And it goes whoosh. Yeah, and, and there's like purple and shimmery lights go like, on above him. Yeah, it's like purple, like BO smoke <laughs> and some like little sparklies. And yeah. then he just suddenly wakes up. It's yeah, so he magical. just like kind of rolls around. Yeah. He's suddenly able to speak and look at us and opens his eyes. Very quickly, too. You would think there'd be like, you know, a little bit of a delay. Oh, no, he's healed. Yeah, like he's like, he's good to go. Like, I thought it'd be like, you know, how in Snow White, when like the prince kisses Snow White and then like they're like praying still. And then she's like, mm. like she doesn't like immediately wake up. She's like yeah. doing like that little. Like, oh, I'm still tired, wake up. Yeah, no. No, this had no effect on him at all. No, it was just like, what happened? <laughs> Where am I? You're in your house. Be calm, brother. You have been deathly ill for a very long time. Do you remember nothing? Tegan? What are you doing here? Where is, Where is he? Called? I am here, my husband. I'm Connor. Where is our son? He lives, though many others are dead. There is much That's to tell. Like, we killed one of them. Yeah, yo, we killed Connor. Yeah, yeah we killed him. Sorry. Much Welcome has back. happened since you fell ill, brother. Some of it will not be easy for you to hear. Then tell me. I wish to hear all of it. Well, you see. Time skip. <laughs> and that's what happened. This is most troubling. There is much to be done, that is true. Grey Warden, you have not only saved my life. But kept my family safe. I am in your debt. Will you permit me to offer you a reward for your service? Fuck yeah! I just want to call us out for that um, incomprehensible mumbling. <laughs> I don't know exactly what the hell we were saying. Yeah. Besides you saying that's like that's why we came here. Yeah, I, I guess we were very tired at this point because we're I just mean, like mumbling. Well, this was the last part of the night that we were experiencing yeah so this is like it the probably end of the was night. getting very late this was june I guess, so. I guess by the way this was june yeah this is also right after the whole temple stuff which even though it's one episode of the podcast it took a few hours to complete yeah like two and a half from all the like battling close to three hours and then after that we actually took a break and then went and back then into this. this 
Yeah, so I'm guessing that contributes to why we're so mumbly and quiet. Yeah. But uh, we're just incomprehensible. And I want, I want to call us out for that past us and uh, hopefully strive for better in the like future. Naughty, naughty Brandon and Manny. Yeah. Past Manny and Brandon, naughty. Yeah, um, if you could understand us, kudos to you. Uh, <laughs> judging by the video, I'm pretty sure we were thinking of what we uh, what we should say in response to but, receiving but you, an award. But you know what I find uh, very reward. Int- what I find very interesting is we understood what we were saying to yeah, each apparently. other. Yeah, apparently. In the moment. I mean, we were in responding moment, to each other. Which is so weird that we were so in sync of how we Yeah, we were exactly. just like, maybe it was the eye contact. Maybe we were just making eye contact. Was, are we like that people? was like, I can okay. yeah, That's what we came for. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we came for. Oh, yeah. So uh, we decide to tell um, Arl Eamon that we don't need a reward. All we need is his help in the blight. Because that's what we came for. Then allow me to declare you and those traveling with you Champions of Redcliffe, you will always be a welcome guest within Put the. Put down my resume. And for you, I also know uh, a shield. I Adobe also know Adobe Acrobat. <laughs> Put those right next to each other. <laughs> it's like I know Microsoft Office. I am a champion of Redcliffe, and, and I got a shield from Arleman. Yes, and I'm bilingual. Thank you, Your Grace. We should speak of Logan, brother. There is no telling what he will do once he learns of your recovery. Loghain instigates a civil war even though the Darkspawn are on our very doorstep. Long I have known him. He is a sensible man. One who never did. Can someone kill him already? I was there when he announced he was taking control of the throne, Eamon. He is mad with ambition, I tell you. Mad enough to kill Caelan to attempt to kill myself and destroy my lands. Whatever happened to him, Loghain must be stopped. So, Arl Eamon proposes that we have a lands meet. What basically that means is... Brandon, explain. Oh, me? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Arl Eamon's idea to how we can stop Loghain involves something called a lands meet, which is basically a meeting of nobles to kind of it's like make pe- like executive decisions it's about like, Ferelton. It's like a congress. <laughs> it's a like congress, a senate. I guess. Yeah, it's like... It's like a group of nobles that have some sort of political, I guess, weight. And he suggests that this is a diplomatic way to deal with Loghain taking advantage of the power vacuum that's been caused by the king dying. Yeah. But in order to be successful in the land's meet and then, you know, be able to fight off the blight um, afterwards, we're going to need a viable option for king. So Arl Eamon says that even though Tegan and Eamon are part of that royal kind of family, they're only related by blood i'm sorry they're not related by blood mm-hmm. and so the only person available that is blood lineage from royalty is alistair alistair's a king or we want him to be king <laughs> yes he's the bastard prince if you remember of yes. the king and an elven servant yes so let's find out how God, his father just went around didn't he yeah his father just kind of like went at it how, wait how old is um Alistair? Alistair's father. How old was he? His father. Oh, I don't know. I mean, he's dead already. Oh. Oh wait. Never mind. Because well, his father died, and then you know his other son was the king. For some reason, I was thinking that Alistair's father was, was king. Kaelin? No, Kaelin's his brother. No, Kaelin's his brother. <laughs> I'm like, how old was he? Because the wife is so young. No, yeah, Kaelin is uh, is Alistair's brother. Yeah. For for one moment, I forgot about Kaelin. He was my plan B. So right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's so out of mind at this point. Yeah. And Eamon proposes that Alistair be our pick for who should be the king if we manage to take down Loghain in the lands meet. Oh, shit. Alistair would be a terrible king. Aw. No, I think, um, 
You intend to put Alistair forward as king? Tegan and I have a claim through marriage, but we would seem opportunists no better than Logan. Alistair's claim is by blood. And what about me? Does anyone care what I want? You have a responsibility, Alistair. Without you, Loghain wins. I would have to support him for the sake of Ferelden. Is that what you want? I... B but I... I see only one way to proceed. I will call for a landsmeet, a gathering of all of Ferelden's nobility in the city of Denerim. There, Ferelden can decide who shall rule. Then the business of fighting our true foe can begin. What say you to that, my friend? I do not wish to proceed without your blessing. To pursue. Oh, I don't want to piss off Alistair. I mean, is it that Alistair doesn't want this, or is it that he's just begrudgingly going along? I think he's begrudgingly going along. Like, I think he realizes that it's probably the right thing to do. Yeah. To take the throne. Now, what I say, we proceed with your plan. Very well. I will send out the word. So, Arl Eamon is going to send out the call, if you will. <laughs> He's going to start calling people, saying like, yo, we're going to have a lands meet yeah. down in Denerim. You win. You win. <laughs> Al knows, be like, yeah. Do you think that he probably, like, I, I keep referencing that, like, freaking Ferelden has, like, modern technology. Like, but if you really think, <laughs> do you think, like, if he had a, f a cell phone, they had, like, a group text? Like all the nobles? Like all the nobles. I mean, I think I would hope it'd be a little more official than that. They they'd go through all the proper secretaries and channels. But you know what? Ferelden isn't the most uh, like professional. Yeah, it seems kind of like rustic, and maybe they do just kind of have a casual like, "Hey, you want a meal?" It's like, "Hey, what's up?" Um, okay, grab me some wings on the way. Yeah, don't tell Logan. <laughs> don't, don't tell Logan, and then they we'll go invite just... him when he needs to be invited. Exactly. He just doesn't know about the lands until the day of. Yeah. <laughs> All the nobles. What like, is this lands meet? <laughs> <laughs> you did not invite me to this lands meet. Oh, you didn't know? We're voting you out. Oh, shit. Alistair's the king. Now, look it. <laughs> it's just him being like, oh. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, as um, Arliman texts all the uh, all the nobles, we are going to continue with our Blight mission. Yeah, gathering all of our armies and making sure all that's set up. Because we need, like, you know, some backup. We can't just, like, go in balls in, balls deep while we're still not done with stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, or as Arliman deals with this problem, we're going to continue our stuff. But first, there are still one more matter at hand in Redcliffe. A dirty, nasty Jowan. <laughs> yeah, Jowan's still alive. He's the one who poisoned Arliman, and Arliman wants justice to be served. Jowan, what you have done is not in question. You tried to assassinate me and set into motion a series of events that nearly destroyed everything I cherish. What have you to say in your own defense? Nothing, my lord. Other than to say I am sorry. I expect no mercy for what I've done. I see. Grey Warden, have you anything oh, to say? Oh, come why? Why? This is your problem, not mine. I wish that was a freaking choice. You could say, no, I have nothing to add. Oh. You didn't read the choices. I wasn't looking at the screen. <laughs> <laughs> he has operated, cooperated willingly, though he had little choice. You damn him with faint praise, I see. Then there is nothing more to say. Oh. Jowan. I hereby sentence you to death. May the Maker show you the mercy we cannot. Thank you, my lord. You could have said that he seems earnest. He's dying. That could have changed that. I mean, what's the worst? I mean, he dies. What's the worst? <laughs> he dies. Okay. You don't seem to care. I don't care about this character, even though he did kind of help me the, f the first time. <laughs> He's the one who came up with the idea to go into the Fade, after all. 
Well, I feel bad. <laughs> yeah, I know. You just kind of clicked it. <laughs> I thought that he would, you know, be like, oh, I mean, but he had no other choice. Yeah, but he had no other choice. It was like, I mean, he helped, but he really didn't have, like, that's, that's all he could do. He had no choice. I misunderstood that response. <laughs> yeah, that was like the bad response. There was That was like the, like, sure, he helped, but he had no choice. I thought... And then there was like, he's earnest, and then there was like, nothing bad. I took it the other way, that... Um, he poisoned him, but he had no other choice. No, it yeah. said he helped. Oh. I should've... Can I start over? No, we're not gonna start over the game. Damn it! I feel guilty, I killed a person. Well, now from all that killing, you just got an experience, so you can level up. Oh! There you go, that's the Jowen. Gave that to you. Thanks, Jowen. Jowen's dead. Yes! Or at least sentenced to death. No, he's dead. Uh, they probably didn't kill him immediately, but he's he's going to die. I mean, if you want, like, what, are they going to hold a ceremony? Well, no, but I mean, he was just in the meeting room. It literally was just happened, so I doubt he's... He probably just moved to another part of the room where, like, They're shit. just like, all right, the guard just grabs him by the wrist, and it's like, all right, come with us. It's it's going to happen now. And it goes like, chink, chink, done. Yeah, um, this could have been avoided. How? Tell me. I mean, it's pretty simple. It could have been I avoided mean, like, by us not saying that. well what would have happened what have been the result of him living like what would have like uh, he would have lived like he wouldn't add i mean i don't know I, I didn't look it up yet but i know that there were options that were available to us since jowen did help in saving connor mm-hmm. you know with as little casualties as possible there was a way to say that he was genuine in his hopes to help the situation and that would have led to a more favorable end from Arleman. but because we said he helped only because he had to that led to Arleman yeah. having a lot of I was of very confused of the wording. I thought... How when, so? Well, because I, when they said that, I thought it was like he helped... I thought he was helping Loghain poison because oh. he had to. So not that he was helping us, yeah. us because he had to. Yes, that was why, what I thought. <laughs> um, I, that's why I was like, no, he had to. He had no other choice. Right. So it's like, <laughs> no, it's fine. He had no other choice. You have to understand him. But that's not exactly That's not what happened. Uh, he's dead because of me and my confusion. I mean, he's not real, but I still feel the guilt. <laughs> I mean, I hope that if he did live, maybe like not join our team, but could have been an asset. Unless he was like a freaking spy, right? For Loghain, that would have pissed me off, and I would have been like, kill him. Yeah. So because he genuinely wanted to repent for his actions, we didn't mean to sentence him to death. It just kind of. It happened. Yeah, it, yeah. it was, it was a misunderstanding. It was a misunderstanding. We do kill a lot of people in this game. Yeah, that is true. We've killed that child. Uh, we killed... Well, he's not innocent. I mean, he tried to kill... Bo- uh, not Bontigan, uh, all Eamon. Yeah. Um, so I have found the different ways that Jowen's story can end. Okay. It says here that um, there's many different ways... <laughs> but there was only three <laughs> that responses. This can end. Yeah, but this is... A result of us not telling him to like run away when we first met him and things like that. So in our case, um, if we said something to defend Jowen, he would have been sent back to the Circle Tower alive. But since we didn't say anything sufficient to defend his case, um, Arleman had him executed. If Jowen was told to run away, um, there's actually chance that we would see him in a future mission just from like the Chanter's board as like a side thing. And if you did, um, you would see that he was with a group of refugees, like, helping them. Oh, okay. And um, we could either kill him then, 
or just like let him live his new life. There's another thing that could have happened. Bontegan can grant permission for the warden to be Jowen's executor. Oh, damn. No, no. Yeah, but you have to execute him before completing the Urn of Sacred Ashes or else like Arliman is the one to sentence him to that. Yeah. But yeah, also fun fact about Jowen. If you start the game as a mage warden, Jowen's actually part of your backstory. Oh. Yeah, uh, he was, he's like your friend if you're the mage warden. This whole story with Jowen becomes a lot more personal. That's cute. If you start off as a mage. Um, and Jowen like wants to escape from the Circle Tower. And that's how he starts dabbling in blood magic. Because he wants to be more like an individual. He doesn't want to be stuck in the tower. That's interesting. Yeah, and that's kind of how he came upon Loghain. I mean, as we saw, Loghain was kind of feeding upon the, I guess, unhappy mages that were in the Circle Tower. We saw, we saw that he encouraged the mages to start the whole demon conflict in the Circle Tower when we were there solving their problems. And so... Jowen also kind of got swept up in Loghain's trickery. Yeah. Yeah, so he has kind of history if you were a mage warden, which is cool. But in our case, we don't. And we accidentally lead him to be executed by our Lehman. But we got, we still got to level up. Yeah, we got to level up. So thanks, Jowen. Thanks, Jowen. Your death allowed us to be stronger. <laughs> kind of like blood magic. <laughs> I mean, like, kinda, is experience yeah. in video games just blood magic? Like, in-universe? Is that just, like, the blood magic? Maybe. Strong? <laughs> Whatever. Uh, that's not... That's hopefully not canon. I, I would like to think that... Uh, no, it's probably not. We're not literally gaining strength from people's death. No. Um, anyway, <laughs> after we finally uh, cured all Eamon, Jowen's dead, all Eamon's <laughs> going to do a group text. Yeah. We are now going to go back to camp. Yeah. And we're going to have a little conversation with our little buddy. Yeah, our little buddy, Salvage, because... Right now, this is the first time in a while that we don't have something immediately to do. Yeah. Like... We spent all this time ever since we went to Redcliffe. Everything's been leading up to heal our, healing our Eamon. So now we just have time to like goof off. Oh, my baby's all propped up and happy to see me. I love you, Savage. Oh, why you little? Oh no. What happened? What, what? Your furry friend here took offense at me getting near his food. He spat at me, look. I don't want to be mean to the puppy. Why don't you say it's just a warning he could have taken a hand off? Don't you think I don't know it? Sometimes I forget that he's a war dog. I once heard a really old legend <laughs> of Alistair. hound warriors in the days of... Why the hell is Alistair talking to him? Well, that's what I heard anyway. It would sometimes be human flesh. For all you know, maybe you've already been fed something. Someone. Aww. I've never feed you another human. It's not cannibalism if he's eating it, you know. Oh, look at what your fool oh. placed in my pack. A putrid, half-eaten hair is not something a woman wants to find in her unmentionables. Oh, oh. the thought that counts, he means well. Give <laughs> you a rabbit. The dirty mongrel can have this back. There. And she tell him took not it with to her do to it, give it again. To him. You can't just throw it away like that. <laughs> I just did. I don't want it, you worthless fur bag. I think you You're a mean lady. <laughs> <laughs> I think you heard his feet. Oh, he's just trying to be manipulative, I can tell. I do it too. <laughs> <laughs> I do it too. Oh, Salvage, you beautiful. I love you. After a few fun interactions with Salvage, Alistair, and Morgan, also cute, 
Very cute. We haven't talked to Salvage in a while because we never yeah. take Salvage anywhere. Yeah. So it's good to have this little moment with him. I mean, he was with us since the beginning. That's true. And it's nice to see him interact with the other characters. I like the way they did that. Like, yeah. you're not just interacting with Salvage. You're kind of seeing a little bit about every other character and how they, they like, react to him. Yeah, react to him. And I think that's really nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and after that, we move on to talk to Leliana. And Leliana has a kind of important conversation with us because we're reflecting a bit about how our meeting with Marjolaine went back in Denerim. Oh, hello. I can't get what happened out of my head. I'd been in Lothering for years, and she still thought I was plotting against her. She loved me when she could use me and control me. And now that she can't, she wants me dead. It, it hurts to realize that I never really knew her. Sometimes people surprise you. I knew she was ruthless. But I didn't know how far she could go. She is self-serving. She uses people, then discards them. But that's how she survives in the life she leads. What if she's right? What if we're the same? I should just have stayed in the Chantry. Hmm. But you said the Maker wanted you to leave. Um, I'm between what you said the Maker wanted you to leave. That's what I was thinking. And I guess that's safe, but you said the Maker wanted you to leave. Yeah. I could have been wrong about the Maker. I... I know you doubt me sometimes. Maybe you're right. Maybe I just tell myself he's there to console myself, to know there's someone watching out for me, to know I'm not alone. You're not alone, William. But I was. I was alone and desperate when I fled to Ferelden. I went to the only place I knew would take me. I forgot my life as a bard while I was in the cloister. I felt safe. I didn't have to watch my back all the time. That's what made Marjolaine the person she is, don't you see? It ruined her. It will ruin me too. Even now, I feel some regret at not ending her life in order to protect Damn. my own. It's the first step down this dark path. What we're doing. What we've done. Hunted men down. Killed them. Part of me loves it. It invigorates me and this scares me. You are a good person and you will always be. How can you be so sure? God damn it. <laughs> Evil doesn't worry about not being good. Do you really think so? Hearing you say that gives me comfort. I would like to be alone for now. I have many things to consider. Thank you for listening to me. You're welcome. Oh, she pulls up set. I love you. <laughs> this is um, sort of a conflict of the path Liliana wants to go down post- Meeting with Marjolaine, right? Yeah, it's like she's in a crossroads at the moment. She She's having a very internal battle with herself. Yeah. Which is very interesting Yeah, uh, in a video game to have a character having an internal, you know, moral battle. With yeah, herself. and we saw a little bit of that with Alistair and how his conversation with Gul'dana went. But now we're seeing it again with Leliana in that she's not sure whether to take Marjolaine's kind of warnings and threats to heart that maybe she is like Marjolaine. Part of her does like the adventure and the killing and part of her does like being that kind of ruthless, like adventurer. Whereas another part of her loves the Chantry and loves like their teachings of peace and the more religious aspects of her moral code. Yeah. Yeah. And this harken ba harkens back to the mechanic that we spoke about with Alistair regarding hardening the character. If you remember back when we met Goldana, 
we had the option, or not the option, but certain um, dialogue options that came about would lead to Alistair being hardened in his personality, becoming more confident, and also becoming a little more closed off to seeking assistance from others. And so, a similar thing can happen with Leliana now. No. <laughs> no, not my Leliana. She's so cute and beautiful. Yeah. And nice. So this, I feel, is a little more explicit, because before, it was not so clear that Alistair was in like a crossroads of his life. Mm-hmm. But in this, it's very clear Liliana doesn't know kind of what path she sees herself going down. And so there's a point where we have the option to say a few things, two of them being, or, well, she says she feels like she's slipping into that side of herself. Yeah. And so we have a few options. We can say you're not slipping. This is who you are. Or we can say, don't punish yourself for doing something you enjoy. And so in this case, we said something along the lines of you're a good person. You always will be. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to encouraging her to um, to get to that side of her yeah to and- like embrace that side of her and so um, whichever of those lines are selected she becomes hardened if, she's, if you say one of those two lines a hardened version of Liliana will be more kind of assertive and a little bit more willing to take action on something that might defy a more moral code that she follows as a sister of the Chantry this crossroads for us led to her being the softened, like more religious Liliana that we've known to love. Yeah. But if we were to encourage it, she would become more of like a ruthless killing almost, machine. Yeah. Like more like Marjolaine esque manipulator yeah. character. I mean, she would still remain a good person, I'm sure, but she would be more willing to kind of do what needs to be done. Like that kind of yeah, situation. Like, like, let's look at the best possible outcome. Yeah. Instead of, you know, just kill it. Yeah. And always trying to be nice to people. Yeah. So we steer her towards like the, the route of remaining nice and religious and whatnot. Good. Yeah. That's where you like her to be. I want st- to, because we have a lot of problems with certain characters. We have a mixed <laughs> bag of characters here. That we is have definite. The, like really nice people. Yeah. And we have like blunt I wouldn't say they're assholes. They're just very honest. Like, uh, like Shale and Morgan like and Sh- Stan. And- yeah. Sh- well, well, see, Shale is honest, but Shale's not, doesn't want to hurt. Not malicious. Not malicious. Yeah. Morgan's malicious. <laughs> and Sten, I just don't think he cares about anything. Yeah, I don't think he cares about um, us. And I do like, that's why Alistair and Liliana, I love them both because they're very kind and, yeah. you know, they say what they don't they say what they're very emotional yeah they're very open with their emotions and i like that about them right definitely and there's just like a good moral compass to them yeah so we kind of steer them in a path that helps them remain that way yeah so in both cases we didn't harden them also because they kind of require specific things to be done and yeah. we're not very good at that yeah exactly. <laughs> we're just kind of flying blind but yeah i do like where liliana ends up yeah this uh-huh and speaking of more abrasive characters the next person we're going to talk to is morrigan yeah, and, and this conversation's a little interesting. Uncomfortable. Interesting, uncomfortable, yeah. <laughs> you are very cute to ask so oh, many questions. Cute. Oh, now she likes us. Oh, God, I don't want to flirt with you. Uh, maybe I'm glad you think so, because and you are cute when you're evasive is, like, flirting back. Yeah. And I am glad you are so glad. <laughs> So this is really uncomfortable because, okay, this bothers me because when there's someone like I'm not attracted to and they're starting to flirt with me and it's like, I'm just like, oh my God, please stop. Because (laughs) I I don't, I don't want to hurt your feelings, 
but I don't want this to continue. Please it just stop. puts you in an awkward situation. Yeah, it puts me in an awkward situation. I don't like it. Um, and that is this exact moment right now with Morgan. And even though I am not Stevan, yeah, uh, I feel it. I feel his pain. Yeah, and Stevan kind of responds in that way. He's like, "I'm glad you think I'm cute." Uh, it's like, <laughs> like it's not really flirting back, but it's also not like wanting to be totally shutting her down. Yeah. And she just takes it like, oh, I'm glad you're glad. And it's like, I saw you come to my tent with Severin. Can I join in? <laughs> I liked what I saw. <laughs> I liked what I saw. <laughs> yeah, she should know you're taken. Yeah. Like, and I guess this could be taken as platonic, but just Morgan is not the person to give compliments Morgan, to Morgan, at this moment in time in the game, yeah. feels more like my bratty older sister yeah. than anything else. Yeah, th- th- I think that's kind of how she'll always feel. To me, anyway. And this is just such a weird diversion from that. Like, it feels like this conversation, or at least this, like, reaction to us coming up to her, was taken from, like, the romance option side of her story. Yeah. And maybe we played into it a bit, but it's just so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no Morgan no, no. is not the woman for us. No, definitely not. I mean, if, if we were to romance a woman... I think I'd choose Liliana. Oh, definitely. I would have won for Liliana. I would go for freaking Win or Shale. Oh, I mean, Win is so, like, I would go for Win. Oh, everyone should go for she, Win. Yeah, she's just such a kind soul. Yes. She would be amazing. It's just very weird. And so from this weird romantic tension, we, uh, I mean, she does answer a question. Yeah. We, we asked her uh, what it was like them with Flemeth, kind of, again. And she talks about how sometimes Templars would come by and, and they would do things to either scare them off or, like, kill them, basically. I mean, Flemeth is so powerful. Yeah. Just like Morgan. We kind of get that insight. But uh, we just kind of want to leave at yeah. that point. We're just so uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> so we leave and um, we make our way to speak with Sten. Because we don't always speak, uh, talk to Sten a lot. Yeah, we don't talk to him a lot. And uh, he always just has so yeah. much nice things to say about yeah. us. Yeah. But this in this conversation uh, gives us something very interesting. Something, you know, a little bit opening. Like a little clear what's the word it's it's a hmm. it's a neat detail yeah about Sten. nice background like every time we talk to Sten, he hates us <laughs> i kind of want to talk to Sten, though let's talk to him you called i have a question i am hardly surprised do you find Ferelden very strange to put it lightly no one has a place here our farmers wish to be merchants the merchants dream of being nobles and the nobles become warriors no one is content to be who they are. What does that accomplish? The farmer who buys a shop is never a merchant. He is always a farmer turned merchant. He carries his old life with him as a turtle carries its shell. But that makes the shell stronger. Does it? If he stumbles and falls over, it pins him on his back. It is better to armor yourself with no more than what you need. One life, one duty. Let's just fucking agree with no, him. No, I don't want to agree with him. I want a conversation. I don't disagree with everything one says. You can learn to find it in doing your duty, in serving your people. There is no need to search for it. Shall we move on? Is there anything you like about Pharrell? Say, you sound about... Oh, do you want to ask that? Yeah. yeah there is interesting food here. You have a thing. It doesn't have a word in the Kunari tongue. Little baked things like bread, but sweet and crumbly. Gorgie? Yes. We have no such things in our lands. This should be remedied. Oh my god. <laughs> Can we fucking get him some cookies? I'll keep that in mind. Keep, I'll keep that in mind. Shall we move on? You sound a bit homesick. Perhaps. 
It's strange to be in a crowd and hear a language that is not your own. I miss the smells of Saharon. Tea and incense and the sea. Ferelden smells of wet dogs. Fuck off. <laughs> it probably does. It probably does. <laughs> you left out rotting garbage. <laughs> True. I was trying to forget that part. Shall we move on? Oh, we ain't took a shell in a while. I've watched a lot of humans in my time. It should be aware that I've decided that it is not much like any of them. Oh, that's super. Thanks, Shale. Surely it must come from some superior lineage, yes? Some breed of flesh creature that has decided to elevate its genetic stock above its natural shortcomings. Damn. My father was trone of Highwell. Oh, then that must be it. I knew there had to be some reason, it being a human and all. I would appreciate if it didn't spread around that I said anything. Humans might oh, start to get the idea. They might start thinking their race is not completely hopeless. <laughs> and we wouldn't want that. Indeed. Can it imagine the horror? <laughs> now, let us crush something into a fine paste before it starts to think I've gone all soft. Perish the thought. <laughs> I love Shale so much. Alright. Just wants to crush things and hate humans, but not hate me. So we converse with basically the two powerhouse people. <laughs> yeah, of the camp, and, and um, it's very interesting uh, going into the psyche of these two. Yeah, and especially them opening up a bit. Stan kind of opens up a bit, uh, a little bit, yeah, a little bit, and describes, you know. Um, what he doesn't like and what he does like about Ferelden. And you know what? Let me put a sidebar here. I agree with him that, that Ferelden's not that great of a place. It does smell like, it does seem like it would smell like wet dog. And That's what Marjolaine said too. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really funny because they're yeah. both foreign people experiencing Ferelden. Yeah. And they both have the same thing to say about its smell. Yeah. Like Ferelden is just way too rustic in my for my for taste, um, uh -huh. I, I'd rather have, you know, get some flowers here, make some, like, nice decorations, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Even, like, the palaces and the castle, well, not palaces, but the castle and estates, they're just, they're still very rustic and, like, just brown and stone. Yeah, and I, it's, it's just not appealing to me, so mm -hmm. I, I agree with him on that. And then, you know, him talking about, the one thing that he does like are the cookies. Right. Which is cute. And we love cookies. We love cookies. Yeah, so. <laughs> I just love this big, bulgy man is like, I love cookies. Yeah, it's nice. It's very sweet. Yeah. Um, and then Shale basically saying why she, you know, likes us. Mm -hmm. uh, like, we're kind of like the only human she kind of, like, trusts. Yeah. Like, so that's a cute sentimental moment. It is nice. And she says, like, don't let anyone know that yeah. I like a human. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny? Our camp situations in this go around, yeah. we're talking to people, we talk to two people that we don't normally get along with. And they're starting to get along with us more like Sten and Morgan. Sten and Morgan, yeah. Uh, and then I, my eyes are now opening, like now as in commentary time, yeah. to how fake of a relationship Zevra and I are. Yeah, it's just kind of there because he's like the available option for men-on-men yeah. -men action. Yeah. But it's not like, like if there were other male characters romanceable for you, you probably might want to be with them more. Yeah. Yeah, so that's interesting how our perspectives, or at least our like relationships with these people are shifting and changing as time goes on even now yeah definitely that's so crazy so after you know all our conversations in the camp we make our way to yes our next destination we decide will be the brazilian outskirts 
which is where the Dalish elves are located, or at least the specific clan that we're going to seek help from. And so this is the first time again that we don't have something to do involving healing our Lehman. So now we can do the quests that aren't involved in that, which would be recruiting the elves and dwarves. Yeah. So we decide the elves first, and we make our way to the forest. And on our way to the forest, we get mm-hmm. trapped into a battle. Yeah, we win. Darkspawn. Yeah, we win said battle. Yay! But something happens right before we leave that's a little troubling. Yeah. Mind you, at this time, our team is Stevan, Shale, Zevran, and Wynn. Got some elf fruit, some dank elf fruit. Some dank elf fruit? Yeah, you know what that's used for, right? No. Is that like a mouthful? Oh! Did she die? <sighs> I fell. Um. Oh no. Are you alright? For a moment there, I thought I was. I thought it was all over. I. I will explain everything when we are back at camp. Now is not the time. Is she okay? Um, I'm scared now. For when? Yeah. She just freaking fell like it was nothing. I hope she's not dying. She said she'll explain next time we're at camp. I'm scared! <laughs> I'm she s- seems to know what's going on, I guess. Mm-hmm. That was some intense shit. Imagine we didn't bring her. So we enter panic mode. <laughs> Wynn has fallen down. Yeah. And no, yeah. It's now. <laughs> Somebody help her. <laughs> yeah, it's so sad. And it's actually really sweet when Wynn falls down and Stevan looks back and actually runs up to her, which I thought was really sweet. It was just like, Nami. Yeah, it's like, oh no, Wynn. You could tell that like he cares about her safety. Yeah. Um, And she's like, she had an existential crisis for a second. She mm. gets up and she's like, I thought I was gone. Yeah. But she's not. Uh, thank God, because I think the maker rather, the <laughs> because maker. I don't think I could handle losing win. Oh, not, not, neither can I. No, she's too beloved. No, it's, it's, it's too much. And she's just like, don't worry, I'll explain it all later. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean you'll explain it later? You almost just fell down. She's like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'll, it's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. We're all fine. So she's fine. And we just have to move on. Just like, okay, I guess that happened. Yeah. No, <sighs> I'm, I'm very... Worried. I'm very stressed right now. Yeah, we're just supposed to. We're just supposed to forget about that. Ex- no. Like what? Are you kidding me? So she'll explain to us later. Oh yeah, she'll just explain. Yeah. No worries. Um, no worries. So now that we dealt with that, yeah, uh, we head into the elf camp. Yes. And you know, someone stops us. Yeah. As soon as we enter, we're stopped by a woman. Um, and all of these Dalish elves have like face painted and they have the uh it looks like failed contour yeah they have like <laughs> they have like henna on their faces and i guess it could look like they contoured their face poorly. like some of them look like oh that's like legit henna tattoo <laughs> and then the other ones look like they just try to contour their face and it's like oh honey you didn't do that yeah, it depends on like where the lines are placed yeah <laughs> and uh we're stopped by someone who very kind of aggressively tells us we're not welcome here well, here we are. Stop right there, outsider. The Dalish have camped in this spot. I suggest you go elsewhere, and quickly. Um, hello. It's nice to meet you. I've been looking for the Dalish. I find that hard to believe. What business could we Dalish possibly have with a group like yours? Um, I will tell you, tell that to your leader and no one else. You're persuader to say that. I know. <laughs> I mean, we're pretty, we're pretty persuasive. You know but... what? 
Let's do it. Seeing as you are obviously no simple trespasser, I will leave it to the Keeper to decide the importance of your business. In the camp, I suggest you keep your hands to yourself, and remember that our arrows are still trained on you. Follow me. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why I'm she's, she's so hostile. We managed to convince Mithra, who is the name of this elf, to let us in and speak to the Keeper because we're on important Grey Warden business. So she said... Basically like, oh, the Keeper will decide how important it is, <laughs> but fine. You know, you know, it's a better reaction than we got at Haven. That's true. At least they weren't like, oh, you can shop, but that's it. <laughs> you can shop. Our pristine attraction's not open yet. <laughs> yeah. So at least she doesn't try to like grub us for money. Yeah. She's just like, fine, you can talk to the Keeper. So we do that and she leads us to their Keeper, who is the leader of this clan. She's like, um, get out. Uh, get out, please. I see we have guests. What? Lovely. It's a whole colony. I have precious little patience and less time to spend on outsiders today. I understand. But this one claims to have important business with our people. I see. Tell me, stranger. What business could you possibly have with us? We have our own issues we must deal with, as you they can see. They always do. <sighs> I come representing the Grimwardens. Wow, you can be racist if you want to. Yeah. But listen to what I have to say until I'm finished, elf. Ooh, Jesus. You might have simply said so to begin with. Masirinus Mithra, you may return to your Speak post. English. They're talking to each other. This is no. for Ralvin. Allow me to introduce We you. only speak English I here. The well, this plan. This is pretty, uh, just like the Native Americans, because the land originally belonged to the elves. That's true. After Manny rudely suggests that the elves should speak English because we're in Ferelden. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I understand now. Yeah, um, we'll talk about it in a bit. But essentially, the, uh, the elves have kind of a parallel with um, a few different, like, underrepresented groups of our real world. Yeah, like Native Americans. Yeah, and African slaves, at yeah. least in American history, both of those things are true. Um, and so this is an example of a parallel to Native Americans, where they owned this land before the humans came here, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and so we know better. <laughs> we do know better. And we hope, you know, they begin to... Or they, they continue to preserve their heritage as much as possible. I'm in support of that. Do you know what? I don't understand. Kind of just pisses me off that the humans just like... You'll, we'll, we'll talk about we'll it later. There. We'll get there. We'll get there. It'll become relevant in a bit. Yeah, but, uh... <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll hear my, my, my rant, my anger. Yeah. This is about real world and uh, fantasy <laughs> prejudice. Yes. Um, but first, we have to hear all about the elves' plight. Not the blight, the plight. Yeah. <laughs> um, so right now they're by the Brazilian outskirts and this is part of their nomadic path that they go down yearly. The clan is essentially nomads and they travel around preserving their heritage and just living among the wild uh, nature in tents and their own kind of mobile civilization. And so um, in the Brazilian outskirts, there's a werewolf problem that they're having yeah um there are werewolves within this 
forest and they've been attacking the elves who try to enter and this causes the elves to either die or become werewolves themselves and so they're losing lots and lots of people and resources due to this so they're really in no position to help us in the blight so the keeper says if we'd like to hear more about this and if we're willing to help them um, in order to get their support in the blight then we'll have to talk to a storyteller in the clan named Cyril, I believe. So we move on from the Keeper's conversation to do this. But first we run into a few other people in the camp. Is that right? We do run into someone. Her name is Lanaya. Lanaya, yes. That's uh, the Keeper's apprentice. Yes. Yes. And she tells us a little bit about their history as well. Under an Atitian Grey Warden. My name is Lanaya. I am Zapian's first. What you might call an apprentice, perhaps. I've been studying under the Keeper all my life. I am a bit curious of the outside world. Do you mind if I ask you a question or two? Of course, Ariel. Ariel? That's what she basically is. <laughs> you like? Go ahead. Damn it, Daddy, I love him! I've no time for questions, you stupid bitch. I hear the human cities are very large. Thousands upon thousands of souls all packed together in their houses. Is that true? Yes, some are larger than the eye can How see. How very loud that must be with everyone talking all at once. I try to imagine those of our people living in such a place, surrounded by walls of stone and indifference. It is a difficult thought. It isn't an easy life for them, that's true. Because they live in, I like, alien ages. I met many of yeah. my kind in your travels. My heart goes out to them. It is said that one day we will have a land of our own. We Dalish gather the ancient wisdom in preparation for this. When that day comes, all elves, even those who have forgotten, will reclaim their former glory. I have a question, if it's not too impolite to ask. Do your people regret what they did to ours? Probably not. Some of us do. I see. That is difficult for our people to accept, even if only some were in favor of what was done to us. The rest did nothing to stop it. So we just spoke with Lanaya, who, yeah. as we mentioned before, is the Keeper's Apprentice. Reminds me of Sorcerer's Apprentice. Um, <laughs> she is very much, uh, you know, she's very curious about the human world. She is. Um, she's very, it's, it's like Ariel. It's, it's like, like Ariel, but it's kind of sad because she's so knowledgeable about elven history. Mm-hmm. And she's very much aware of the transgressions, if you will, that the humans have done to them over yeah. the you know, their I mean, it's, it's it's really sad. Um, I do find it cute though, where she goes like, "So everyone lives in like one building," and it's like that's so yeah, so weird. It's like, oh my god, she's just so cute. Yeah, they're called apartments, Lanaya. <laughs> read a book. No, I'm Yo, kidding. <laughs> wow, <laughs> imagine if you're just mean about it. Like, like this read girl a- doesn't even know. <sighs> you read a book? Oh wait, you guys don't have books <laughs> like we do. No, god, uh, you're just so cruel. It's, it's very sweet that she's curious, even though. The humans have done so much to them. She still has a curious mind and wants to learn about our culture as well. Yeah, which is nice. Um, but you know, we're they're assholes. The yeah, we can't we can't help but feel guilty for what our race has done to them. Yeah. <laughs> but we move on and we continue around the camp, eventually falling, not falling upon them. That would be weird. But we stumble upon a man who has a similar problem, or rather, a problem that relates to this whole werewolf outbreak. My wife, Denila, and I both fought the werewolves in the ambush. She was injured so gravely, the curse spread rapidly in her. Zathrian fought hard to ease her pain, but there was little he could do. And though he says that Denila is dead, he will not let me see her. Her body. 
I am beginning to believe she became a werewolf, and that it is being kept from me so I do not go chasing after her. And if she was a werewolf, and the elf chased her and then found her, what then? Sweet, blissful reunion? I don't know. <laughs> Jesus, Shale. So this guy is talking to us about his wife who has mm-hmm. become a werewolf and, you know, he wants to reunite with her. <laughs> And it's very sad, but Shale, my God, who does not have any social (laughs) cues whatsoever, just rudely just interrupts this guy and goes like, maybe she'd eat you. (laughs) Who knows? And he's like, and he's like, "Uh, uh, I don't know. (laughs) So like this poor guy is grieving for his wife who has contracted this werewolf curse. And she's like, huh, she'll probably eat you if she saw you. It was like, I'm just trying to make light of the situation. (laughs) But he's trying to be hopeful that like, maybe she'll see me and remember me and not want to kill me, which is so hopeful and sweet, but she'll kind of ruins that. Yeah. But we do agree. We're going to the forest anyway, because we're supposed to be stopping this werewolf curse. Yeah. Um, Zathrian, the keeper had also told us that there's a spirit in the woods named, Witherfang, who Ooh. is the source of the curse, and if we bring him the heart, then he'll be able to end the curse using Witherfang's heart. And so we say, you know what? We're going to the forest anyway. So if we find your wife, we'll try to get her safe and reunited back with you. We're trying to end the curse anyway, you know. So hopefully we're going to be able to cure all the elves that have been infected. Yeah. Um. So we try to give him that beacon of hope that there is help on the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so after we speak with him, we head over to, uh, what's his name again, the guy? I think it was Cyril. Cyril? Yes, Cyril. Yeah. I think it's Cyril. And uh, he's going to give us a little story time. Yeah. He's going to tell us a little bit about a story that'll help us fight the uh, werewolf curse. And this relates all the way back to the history of the Dalish elves in general. We few wanderers greet you, Shemlin. We understand you are venturing into the haunted forest to save our brethren. I suspect your efforts may be in vain. An entire group of our hunters went into the forest to do as you intend, and they have not returned. I'm a protagonist. (laughs) I'm a protagonist. (laughs) Nothing will help us now. Least of all the meddling of an outsider. You are being most unkind, Cyril. Would you refuse our hunters' help simply because of the hand that offered it? You shame me, Lethalan. I have allowed my bitterness to cloud my better judgment. Forgive me, Grey Warden. It is most difficult to forget the lessons the Shemlin have taught us. It is even more difficult when you live amongst them, trust me. Perhaps I can yet make amends. Stay while I spin a tale for our children. And then I will tell you of the forest if you desire. Yes, I'd like to hear that. Come and join us then. All of you. It's story time. Story time. Bah. The elf wants to tell stories. We truly have time for such drivel. Shale really has no patience for this story. And before we get into the story, I just want to point out the glitch that happened. Yeah. I, I don't think it's a glitch. I think it's a glitch. There's, it a glitch? there's no physical way for it to happen. I, I think what it is, is that no one programmed Shale, Shale to sit. To sit down. Yeah. I think that's what happened. Because I don't think... So it's a, so it's not a glitch, it's just like a bug. Yeah, we haven't seen Shale like on the ground or sitting. No. So unless I, she's like knocked out. Yeah, unless she's knocked <laughs> out. So I think Shale just is always standing. Yeah, so we all sit down to listen to the story and Shale goes to the bench, but she doesn't sit, so she's just standing in the bench. Through the bench. Yeah. <laughs> 
and the camera goes to her when she gives her little heckle. But the camera's just on her chest, and her head's, like, above the screen. Yeah. Well, I, fi- I find it hilarious that Wynn is, like, still programmed to look up and, like... Lo- <gasps> was she? Yeah, she was. Like, if you look if you look at Wynn, she's still, like, looking up like this. At Shale? At, Sh- at Shale, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I, they, they, they had it programmed it's like, in. Shale standing. Yeah. I guess maybe, like... The characters automatically look at whoever's talking, and yeah. so, like, Shale's face was up there, so yeah. the pre- characters are, like, supposed to look up. That is funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So, that's just hilarious to me, that throughout this whole story scene, Shale's just standing the whole time, <laughs> still, yeah. and just, like, not wanting to listen to any yeah. of this. And there is also one other glitch. Oh, my God, yes. That does happen, so... Well, it's it- not really a glitch. I think it's just, like, bad animation. Yeah, it's terrible animation. Um, So, while um Cyril's talking about, you know, telling his story, yeah. um, a kid just walks over to yeah. him and... Well, he beckons the kid over. He's yeah. like, come help me tell the tale. And then, like, all of a sudden, he, like, the kid sits down, but, like, <laughs> he, he, like, floats down, basically. Yeah, like, imagine a kid in a standing position... And then imagine a kid in the sitting position on the ground. And then just imagine every part of his body just sliding into place of the sitting <laughs> position as opposed to actually like Bending. motioning the way a person would to sit down. His it's, whole body just like slides from one like, place to the next. <laughs> like defying physics. Yeah. So that's another um, terrible thing that happened, like terrible animation slash glitch that happened during this. Yeah. Um, so let's get into the history of the elves. As we've said before, it kind of alludes to, you know, just um, disenfranchised uh, people like, you know, the Native Americans and the African-Americans. Yeah, um, it's it's very, very sad. So first, um, I want to start a little bit earlier than the story starts in the game. Um, so Cyril begins his story with the elves being slaves to the to Vinter Imperium. But there's some interesting elven lore that goes even farther back than that that I want to bring up. And this is stuff that's available through codex entries that we didn't really read. But I wanted to have a better understanding for when we talk about it on our podcast. So I started reading up on like the elven history that leads to what's talked about in this story. And so we mentioned that the land of Thedas in general, which includes Ferelden and Orlay and all sorts of countries, were originally inhabited by the elves. And during this time, the elves believe, at least, that the elven gods like walked among them and they were worshipped kind of in person and lived among them. Um, and the elves actually didn't age. They were beautiful and they had these sprawling elven cities and... No one aged. They weren't immortal, but they just didn't age over time. They had to be kind of killed by something, like by war or by like a sickness. Yeah. And so they kind of flourished in that sense. But then as time went on, humans came to the land. Um, And what I read didn't really detail where humans came from. Like if they were like some sort of evolutionary, like they just evolved into existence or if they came from some other land. But um, once the humans came to Thetis, they um, started interacting with the elves and the elves saw them as more of like a brutal and kind of impatient race. Like they were more politically, I guess, aggressive toward each other. Which they were. They are. Which humans are like. They are like. They are terrible. Yeah, exactly. And so the elves would call them Shemlin, which is what we see the elves calling us in this clan because 
Um, Shemlin to them means quickling in reference to the fact that humans have shorter lives because they actually age. Yeah. And so um, the humans brought with them disease, which also alludes to like Native American history because yeah. European diseases came by. Yeah, like and smallpox Native- and all that stuff. Yeah, and the Native Americans weren't equipped with the immune system to kind of combat that the way the humans would, so they're much more susceptible to it. Uh, not the hum- the way the Europeans would. And in this case, it's similar to the humans um, bringing disease along with them to the elves, mm-hmm. which would start killing off some elves. Um, and they actually found that Elves were starting to age once they came in contact with humans for some reason. And so the elves, um, they shielded themselves and their civilization from the humans in an attempt to preserve their history and to preserve their, not immortality, but their permanent like youthfulness, essentially. But as we know, the elves ended up slaves to the Tevinter Imperium. So the Tevinter Imperium they use their incredible magic power because they're full of just powerful mages. They use this power to break down those walls and capture all the mages, essentially. And every captured mage of theirs lost their immortality, lost the ability to no longer age. And so now we get the elves that we see in the present day where they age and they're just kind of like people, but a different race. Um, And so that's where... Serial story starts. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything to... Uh, it's just... It always bums me out when I hear stories or, like, when, you know, an oppressed people... Yeah. And, you know, colonizations taking advantage of oppressed people. It just pisses me off. Yeah. A lot. Right. It just... <laughs> it's very sad because... They had such beautiful, like, sprawling lives. And you know what makes it makes it worse? Because, like, in previous works of fiction... Yeah. Uh, dwarves and elves are sometimes seen as, like, enemies. Right. Um, like, in Lord of the Rings, the elves and the dwarves don't get along because of, you know, a shared history of just, you know, just some bad shit. <laughs> okay. Um, but here just even knowing that the dwarves and the elves lived in harmony yeah like the dwarves were underground the elves were above ground and they kind of respected that exactly existence you know and that that's beautiful yeah and then come these assholes (laughs) the humans the humans it just it just makes me angry because like the humans come here take the land Mm -hmm. kill the people that were here, not even just kill them, like they just, kill and they, enslave the rest of them. They enslave them and change their physical way of like how they live because they would not, you know, they were immortal and now that these bastards came here, yeah. they're now mortal like the rest of us, and it's yeah. terrible. Yeah, it's like their their whole way of life was taken from them. Yeah, they're now slaves to the humans. They're just totally isolated from what they were. And I thought like. Andras, like, you know, because Andrasi what fought to free them. Yeah. But they're still seen as second class citizens. Yeah, and, exactly. And it, it just it just makes me angry. Right. So that's where Cyril's story begins, because it begins with him saying, we began as slaves and Andraste, who was a human, as we know, she led the um, the efforts to free the Tevinter slaves and she started a war with the Tevinter Imperium to free them, which was successful, as we learned. And um, we talked about it in the episode about the Art of Sacred Ashes, but they believed that it was Maker Intervention, or the humans believed that Maker Intervention allowed them to win. And it has a lot of, um, I guess, 
allegorical similarity to yeah. the story of Moses for yeah. the Jews. Although, um, I guess in this case, well, Moses... Moses was a Jewish he, person. He was Jewish. He was put in a basket and was taken in by the Egyptian family. Right. So there is differences there because yeah. Andraste isn't an elf, but yeah. she did have that like sympathy for them. Yeah. But we learn in this story now that even though Andraste freed the elves and the elves were given the Dales, um, which is why they're called Dalish elves, they lived on land called the Dales that was reserved for the elves. And that's where they kind of lived their lives trying to preserve their history. Um, kind of like um, what's called reservations. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. Um, but I believe it was a whole like region. Like I think yeah. it was a whole like country of its own kind of. Uh, okay. But uh, the humans weren't really satisfied with that. Um, the of humans, course they weren't. Of course. No, because they Bastards. believed that maker intervention and Andraste's word is what allowed the elves to be freed in the first place, and so they wanted to force their religion, believing in Andraste and the maker, upon the elvish community. Because they sort of benefited from their maker's intervention, and yet they didn't believe in the maker. And so this caused them to raid, uh, wage a war on them, which was a crusade, to spread their own religion among the elves. And this war then led to the elves losing the Dales, which was supposed to be their new home, mm-hmm. losing it again to the humans. And the, da- the elves were forced to reintegrate with the humans as their slaves and their servants and... That's what became of the city elves we see today who live in like Denerim, for example, but they're just servants and they're like the lower class citizens to the humans, despite this long history of like oppression and being given, thrown a bone and then having a war waged on them just for living their yeah. culture, you know, it, it, it just it's terrible. It's com- it's awful what the humans did yeah. to the elves. And I'm pretty bummed out. Right. Just hearing this story. Yeah, so that leads us to today. So the Dalish elves that we see in clans like this are nomadic, and they, the reason their leader is called the Keeper is because he's supposed to be the keeper of their ancestry and their history because mm-hmm. they really have to fight to preserve that since there's always like some yeah. um, force trying to convert them or turn them into lower-class citizens, but the Dalish elves try to remain their like independence and their their pride of their history yeah so we were sent to learn this story which is all very interesting and i'm glad we did but um there's still the question of how this relates to witherfang and the werewolves right so Cyril continues and he says that this brazilian outskirts this forest is actually the battleground of that war that was that crusade on the elves who lived in the dales and so because of all that death of elves and humans um, if you remember, the souls of the dead goes to the fade. All that death in one area caused the veil to weaken. The veil is what separates our world and the fade. Mm-hmm. And so that allowed spirits to cross over into our world and kind of take a presence in this forest. Now that you say that. Yeah. Um, so like when there's a bunch of death in one specific area. Yeah. Uh, spirits come out. Uh, that's the reasoning. Yeah. Uh, does that happen everywhere? I would assume it's possible. Does that happen in Ostagar? In Ostagar? Yeah. Um, maybe. I mean, it could be like the veil is weakened there because yeah. of it. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, we've definitely seen places with a lot of death in yeah. this game, like Redcliffe and <laughs> Yeah. And Ostagar and 
Especially Ostagar. Like, all Ferelden should be have a weak veil, to be honest. I mean, it kind of does. Because everywhere we go, there seem to be demons. Yeah. So, like, maybe <laughs> Ferelden just does have, like, a really weak veil yeah. in general. Because we always see demons everywhere. Um. So, yeah, their reasoning for why this werewolf curse started is because a demon came into our world and began the curse. And this is the reasoning why it all started in- to begin with. So... It kind of reinvigorates us to stop this blight and almost right the wrongs that the humans have done to yeah. even cause us to begin with, at least to lessen the effect of this curse and what it's doing to this elven clan. So it's all very sad, but it is interesting. <sighs> we will right this wrong, Brandon. At least this this individual wrong. Yeah. We can't do everything. We can't change history. And yes, we can. It's time travel. Let's you wanna <laughs> you wanna give the elves back the land. Yeah. Humans are gone. Be immortal. Be, be you. Be immortal. Go back. <laughs> we'll take on this land. Yeah. Yeah. If we could do that, maybe we we should. But <laughs> instead we at least got to hear this wonderful story. And that's what happened. That's all I need to know. One last warning. The forest is like a thing alive. It changes as it wills, closing paths behind you. Oh, God. <laughs> Too many well, this is going to be fun, folks. This is like the freaking maze in Goblet of Fire. <laughs> I would endeavor not to make the forest my enemy. Everyone stands and the shell stays. And the shell sits down. <laughs> All right. Say again, because I'm not listening to that story. Thus ends episode 18 of Enchantment. Hooray! We, this was sad. It was sad. It got sad at the end. I mean, I was happy because we healed Eamon. Um, yeah, I'm happy about that because I'm tired of <laughs> dealing with Redcliffe. Yeah, we finally resolved that. Um, but now we're with the Dalish Elves. We have to solve this werewolf problem, this yeah. infestation, this, and we have this to, curse. We have to deal with uh, the repercussions of human interfering in the Elven lifestyle. And that's all kind of sad. And we're just kind of like bystanders and all this sadness. Just like our world today. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, we're warned that the forest is in a way alive because of all the spirits that are inside of it. So we have to be very aware of our surroundings and be sure not to get lost in its trickery. That'll be definitely very exciting in the next episode. We love those types of puzzles and locations. (laughs) (laughs) If you're into Enchantment, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at EnchantmentCast, or you can email the show with your feedback at EnchantmentPodcast at gmail.com. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you listen. So as always, I'm Brandon. And I'm Manny. And this has been Enchantment. And enjoy the rest of your stay at Disney's Magic Kingdom.